and welcome to Stationary Jason, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyfin, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu. How's Cyprus today? Uh, hey, Justin. Uh, Cyprus is lovely today. It's very nice and warm. It's, uh, I don't know, 29 degrees. The sun is shining. I've I played golf this morning. All is right in my world. What about you? How are things in Canada? I don't want to jinx it, but we actually had some nice weather yesterday. I got to sit out on our patio, have dinner outside, nice glass of wine. Everything was green and pretty. And if it wasn't for my neighbor mowing the lawn, it would have been an idyllic night. (laughs) Uh, Get those headphones out again. Yeah, the problem is I block off Mrs. T at that point, and uh, that is a career-limiting move. <laughs> okay, I see your point. Yes, well, they've got to keep their lawns shorn, haven't they? I mean, you, you can't have a messy lawn, not in Summerland, Canada. Mm. Uh, we won't talk about lawns. I'm <laughs> not a fan of mine. I had to pay somebody to come and spray it for weeds the other day. It's, it's crazy. It, absolutely. Learning things about this area that I never thought I would, A, care about, and B, have any interest in. But there's me throwing money at the problem. <laughs> hey, speaking of things to throw money at, our friend of the show, Harry Marks, is dropping a new book next week, or... This week, by the time you actually listen to this, it will drop on May the 31st, the library at the center of the earth. Indeed. I don't know anything about the topic, but it's got a cool name, if nothing else. Well, yeah, I'm going to forgive him that he's used the um, the sort of across the pond spelling of center. The R goes before the E. But nevertheless, we shall forgive him because, after all, that's that's the major market. But no, I'm looking forward to it. I really enjoyed his last book, mm-hmm. um, which was the, the Prophet, wasn't it? The Prophet, um, which was uh, yeah, it was a good read, thriller. I'm not sure what this will be, but uh, knowing Harry, it'll be an excellent read. Uh, it is on Kindle, uh, so he's gone straight to Kindle. I think last time I had to download it off the website that he was using. And then sort of sideload it into my Kindle so I could read it there. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was I, I keep wanting to calling it Mudslide, but that's not the name of it, is it? Was it Gum Gumroad? I think it was. But that's it, Gumroad. This time he's directly on Amazon. So if you have a Kindle, you can go ahead and click the link. Uh, I will confirm that even though the link does take you to the U.S. site. This one also works on the Canadian site, so I could order it locally and get it dropped to my Kindle next week. Yep, and uh, likewise, the UK site works perfectly well there too. Does the UK site know you're not in the UK? It it does, yes. Um, But it doesn't care because my payment method is in the UK. Ah, got it. Cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. What's your tool of the week, Stu? Uh, Tool of the week. Oh, well, my tool of the week is emotion. Um, I'm not sure it's a very positive tool, but with one thing and another, perhaps just just a factor of age, I'm surrounded by sickness and a degree of unhappiness at the moment. There's Mrs. L lost a cousin uh, yesterday uh, in Sicily, which was not unexpected, but nevertheless, um, you know, it's like being hit by a truck when you lose a member of the family, particularly if you're a, mm-hmm. a Sicilian. My mum is unwell. She's in hospital. Um, so that's a little bit worrisome. We've got our friends here who we're trying to to help with uh, with cancer treatment. we I took her to a nursing home the other day and she just today came back from her first round of chemotherapy. Um, and Margaret's down there now visiting her. Um, and well, there's just, just more. It just, it seems to sort of come in gangs. And I think for me, predominantly worry about my mum. It doesn't matter how much I rationalize things and compartmentalize things, which I'm pretty good at, to be honest. I, I just can't get away from the sort of underlying feeling of anxiety and, and uneasiness. And as such, I'm uh, what, what I have learned by getting to this ripe old age is that I just have to dial back on, on the productivity thing and be much more realistic and say, okay, what must I get done today? 
Uh, because something that was going to take me an hour is going to take me like four hours. And if I have six things on my list, I'll just look at them and ignore them. So I just dial things back and um, just accept that I'm not in in the right place to be on fire productivity-wise. But yeah, there you go. I mean, it is what it is. Everybody goes through this. And that's, well, life is overcoming these things, I guess. Mm. I hope uh, your mom recovers quickly and... Uh, that things go as as well as possible for everybody concerned in all of the areas. So it's it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it's no, it's no fun at all. I mean, particularly for for them. But uh, yeah, being um, I guess I'm a sort of five five and a half hour flight from my mum, so I'm trying to be useful um, at what could only be described as quite an extensive distance, and just dealing with all the logistics and difficult. You know, trying to find a place for a dog to hang out and. Mm. Oh, good Lord. Anyway, what about you? What was your tool of the week? Uh, mine was pre-planning. There you go. Something that you don't normally hear from me. Um, so I did something a little different. Uh, so I go through on a Monday morning and I schedule my week. I keep meaning to do like a Sunday review. Mm. And generally because of podcasting and other commitments that I've got on Sundays, Formula One series, um, I never really get a lot of time to sit down and schedule my week. So normally I'll schedule my week. I'll go in my bullet journal and look at everything that I've got planned and kind of put the days of the week that I want to do certain things. Mm -hmm. Then those are big picture items that I want to have planned. I then go each morning and I write up my analog card and I do sort of a, the same four jobby job tasks that I want to get done in that day, kind of time block a little bit. Tuesday, I had some dental work. I, I've got a new dentist. Ooh. Oh my God. I've, I've had a, the same dentist for, well, probably close to 25 years. And while well, he's kind of retiring now, you know, COVID kind of put an end to, I might do in this. He's I think in his early seventies now. And I'm, you know, a five hour drive from him anyway. So I found a new dentist local to me. Dental work has turned into James Bond. <laughs> They've got all the toys now. This, this office, and I, I kid you not, like, I, I mean, my old dentist was old school. He'd sit there, he'd work in your mouth and he'd be chatting away, chatting away, just him and his, you know, they, his uh, helper there. They would be having the most inane conversations. What are you doing this week? You're going camping. What's the weather going to be like? What's the hockey, which I've got no opinion on, but you know, it was just very relaxing. Well, I went to this, this new dentist and they do everything from head scanning to 3d mouth scanning for your teeth. Everybody walks around with like a little CIA headpiece in their ear. So they're going to talk to each other you know it is just the weirdest thing there's a huge tv on every wall that has pictures of my teeth which you know when you're laying there that's pretty disturbing to see mm. uh, they've got all kinds of like if if there's a toy in the dental world this dentist has it but anyway i had to go in uh for i got a crown that i have to have done an old filling cracked and this was the answer to fixing it up uh, and it hurt. And I came home and I was kind of useless because my face was frozen. I looked like I'd had a stroke. I was drooling and I just couldn't really focus. So I actually pre-planned my next day because I didn't get a very productive day. So the next day I came in and rather than sitting there doing anything at all in the morning, I just came in a hit project after project after project. And it was brilliant. I had one of the most productive days because I didn't even open my calendar to see what I had to do. I didn't even open my task manager. I already knew what my, my hit list was. Mm -hmm. I don't normally pre-plan because at the end of the day, I'm naked and my energy is not usually at a good place to look at the next day with any sort of happy feelings of what I'm going to get done. <laughs> this challenge got me thinking that way and looking at it and going, you know, is this something I should start doing? 
what about what do you do? You you do a little bit of this. Do you pre-plan the day before? Do you plan in the morning? Is this something I've been missing? Well, I mean, David Sparks talks very well to this um, because he he points out that evening stroke afternoon Sparky uh, is much more realistic than morning Sparky, who's way too uh, optimistic. So for that very reason, he plans for the day following because he doesn't put so much in. And I think that's the key is if you are at sort of going to do a shutdown, which uh, I think, I don't know, I think everybody struggles to do a shutdown. But if you are going to do one, then uh, it's really just about that sort of big picture stuff for the following day. I think, you know, getting too embroiled in the detail, just as you say, turns you off and depresses you. But if you go, okay, what's the big thing I need to get done tomorrow? It's that. Okay, cool. I write it down on my today card and I might put two, possibly three things just to, as you say, give you that sort of running start in the morning where you just file into things. And yeah, I mean, I would say calendars, emails, task managers, they're all equally toxic to your productivity first thing in the morning because they're things that we all can use as sort of distractions and diversions. It's difficult to avoid them, particularly if you've got meetings. I mean, it's kind of good to know when your meetings are, but Mm -hmm. I do my best to try and do that sort of big picture thinking of going, right, what have I got tomorrow? No meetings scheduled. Uh, I've got a call at that time. Right, great. Okay, I'm just going to fire into this and this and this. And then when that moment comes that my energy begins to dip, um, I guess for me that will be around lunchtime, then I might say, okay, I'm going to go upstairs and have some lunch in a minute. Where where am I for the afternoon? What am I going to get done? And it might just be, do you know what? I'm going to read. I'm going to catch up on that. And I'm going to do, you know, a little bit of light admin or whatever. But yeah, I, I think it is really effective if you can get it done. And the way that I found of, of making it successful is that my shutdown happens sort of midway through the afternoon. Mm. Um, it, it doesn't mean I'm shutting down necessarily, but it means that I'm getting the shutdown done before my energy completely trails away. So then the last hour might be, you know, some task that I've, you know, light admin or or reading or whatever, but I've already done that sort of shutdown of, okay, this is what today is going to be like. Because I'm I'm kind of celebrating those big hits that I made in the morning. Seldom do I get really big stuff done in the afternoon. It tends to be be smaller things. Mm -hmm. I was just hammering things all day yesterday. I think uh, I did, you know how pure productivity, even though you look at it on your little timing app, you, you know, you kind of look and say, well, I've done six hours today. And you look at your timing app and you go, oh, no, I didn't. I've, I've had my butt in the chair for six hours today. Sure. So far, but oof, oh, I did this. Oh, I checked email for, oh, I don't want to see how long I checked email for. But I must have gone... Seven straight hours, basically with just a a snack break in the middle of it. And I just nailed it. Um, Big project I finished off in the afternoon. I came away yesterday feeling absolutely, well, on top of the world. You know, when you have one of those days that you just, you're just knocking them out of the ballpark every day, Uh, which is a baseball reference. And I apologize. You might not get that. (laughs) You're, you're, you're hitting a hole. You're getting onto the green every shot <laughs> well hitting it out of the ground works for us as well because obviously uh, we have a game called cricket that was far too complicated for you guys so so you made baseball <laughs> but you you we, we hit balls out of the ground all the time well when i say we people are good at cricket do uh, okay all right what have you got for a pen this week Stu? Uh, a pen this well, I had a bit of a clean out this week. Um, I put some some time aside just to do some clean outs of pens that were empty or close to. So uh, the Star Ruby 205, the Pelican, the Coeco Sport AL, raw aluminium, uh, the Lamy Safari, they've all been clean out, washed. Uh, very nice. Uh, I got a big gun out. So I got my Mont Blanc John Lennon, which is one of their special editions. Um, it's a it's a monster of a pen. It's enormous, mm-hmm. um, which I bought uh, I bought from an auction house in the UK, an online auction. It's a lovely pen. Uh, it's it's very sort of musically themed. Um, I've got a massive nib in it. I've got a big broad in there. Uh, I filled it up with uh, diamine Chopin, which is a it's a very nice grey. 
And I've also still got my Pelican M805 Blue Dunes going. So that's abroad as well. So I've got two big boys uh, in the in the rotation at the moment. And yes, I'm, I'm going through paper like nobody's business. Ooh, what about you? What have you been uh, writing with this week? I'm feeling a little... Um, I have pen envy, Stu. <laughs> I don't have any new pens this week. I have... I mean, I'm at that point. Sometimes you get there. I haven't been writing. I picked up my journal. Actually, I was up early this morning and did a little bit of journaling and realized it had been an entire week since I last wrote anything down. <laughs> so I've been doing a little bit just on my daily cards and stuff like that, but that doesn't use a lot of ink unless you have the big boy John Lennon nibs that you have. So nothing new for me. I'm just uh, cleaning out or finishing off some of the ink that I've got in the pens that I have. Sure. I've still got an Estabrook. I've got my Panider. I've got a couple of Mont Blanc, a Leonardo. So yeah, I've got a few pens on the go and uh, I, I just think I need to get through those a little bit before I ink up something else. Just been able to say, no, I don't need to was a good thing for me. Yeah, excellent. It's good to have a little breakdown again. There's, you know, this is supposed to be fun. <laughs> we sometimes forget that. I mean, I certainly forget it when I'm playing golf, but it's supposed to be fun. Oh, fun? What's fun? <laughs> hey, speaking of fun, mm -hmm. our topic. Ah, yes. Turning life upside down. That sounds like a light, fun topic, Stu. Well, look, I mean, it can be. I mean, you can come at this lots of different ways. Uh, turning life upside down, woman at Carpe Diem is one. Um, Memento Mori, that's another one you could apply to it. It's about that whole sort of, what the, 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 I use the chili peppers all the time. This life is more than just a read through. What else can we throw at this cliche wise? Ah, uh, we're here for a good time, not a long time. That type of stuff. So, just thinking about what we're doing and why we're doing it. Oh, you've got a cliche. I can tell. Go on. No, I was going to say, uh, are we going into the uh, t-shirt business now? <laughs> because all of these are perfect logos for t-shirts. Or, or, or what do they call them now? Challenge coins. Because everybody's going to have a challenge coin. Yes, there's a lot of Because that makes you that much pro more productive. Indeed, there's a lot of people trying to sell me challenge coins. I'm thinking, I, the last thing I need is anything from my pocket or my desk. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... I think this is in part, this is brought on by the illness that's around me, which always makes me, you know, consider my own mortality and my own health. Um, and also my reading. So there's clearly some sort of confluence of events going on, but I've been reading Die With Zero by Bill Perkins, uh, which is about, you know, making sure that you die with zero, which is the efficient way to do it. Also, I'm rereading The 4-Hour Workweek, which is what sort of launched Tim Ferriss into the stratosphere. and I think is is probably quite maligned as a book. I think there's some good stuff in the four hour work week. There's also some stuff that people tend to focus on that I think is perhaps less useful. But you know, I guess the the things I'm touching on are are sort of conventional thinking in the sort of anglophonic world, and you know, most of the developed world. We're taught to um, save money. <laughs> okay, don't 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 waste your money. Save it. And obviously, not obviously, but often, as you get towards the end of your life, you might want to stop working, relax, and live in comfort, have enough money to provide everything you might need. And people worry about that and about not having enough. And clearly, that's a, that's a scary thing to think about. But actually, many, many people have the opposite problem in that they save furiously through their lives. And as they progress through their careers, they start getting paid more and more and they get into higher positions um, and they're still furiously saving. And so they end up with this enormous pot of money. And then they get to a point of retiring and they retire and go, I don't really feel like doing very much now. I'd rather just sort of sit down and have a cup of tea, uh, which doesn't take an enormous amount of money. So, the argument of die with zero is have a look at how your life is likely to pan out. And you can do some predictions, obviously nothing is certain. And, and perhaps focus on spending some of that money while you can enjoy it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that's something that's been bothering me for a while because I retired young and then immediately started working harder than I ever did when I worked, <laughs> which <laughs> didn't make an enormous amount of sense. So that's, I think, what's driving me to pull these books out of my virtual bookshelf is go, mm, let me read that again. You know, I, I should by now be sort of free climbing the Eiger in my boxer shorts uh, whilst drinking wine from 1874. And and yet I'm not. I'm sort of slaving over a blog post or dealing with somebody's anti-money laundering policies and procedures. Um, so <laughs> somewhere, somewhere, Justin, I got lost. So I need to go back to the map and just try and work out what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that sent me off just thinking about um, all of these sort of mortality questions that you have and all of these what I see as sort of accepted wisdom. Uh, there was a there was a, a note in the the newspaper the other day, which I, I also saw on Twitter, that Cyprus currently sixty percent of the sort of uh, younger generation, if I can call them that, have tertiary education, i.e., a, a university degree or a college degree. Not surprised. And 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 the debt to match it, obviously, because you don't get these things free. Um, wait, not so long ago in the UK and in a lot of Europe, you could study for free, but that's not true anymore. Um, and certainly um, over over where you are, I think it's quite an expensive undertaking getting an education. That it is, yes. And I mean, everybody's heard these stories, but you know, some of the highest paid people in the UK at the moment are plumbers or electricians. Um, because everybody is so busy getting a degree and then hoping to, to you know, walk out of the university and instantly into uh, heads of industry this way, uh, you know, global capitalists this way, masters of the universe that way. And there just aren't jobs. So my UPS guy is, you know, he's multilingual. He's got two degrees. Hmm. And, <laughs> you know, there's no problem with that. I've got no problem with everybody having a degree if they want one. Um, I would argue from my own experience that the last thing you need as an 18-year-old is tertiary education. Yeah. Sitting down and, and studying, uh, particularly in the way that one is, in, is is made to study in the modern age, I, I don't think that's particularly useful to an 18-year-old. I think life experience is useful to an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. I think um, if there's a time to be working 14-hour days trying to do extraordinary things. It's probably when you're 18. Studying, don't tell anybody, Justin. But the older you get, the easier it is to study because you kind of know stuff. (laughs) And you know how to read. And you know how to... My attention span now is a hundred times better than when when I was 18. Now, okay, I probably have less hormones charging around causing trouble as well. But... It's, it just strikes me as as weird. We've got to this point where we're saying, go to university, go to university, go to university, go to university, so that you can be a UPS guy or, or flip burgers. Or, because people are being funneled into the wrong thing purely because it's the right thing to do. I, I agree. And uh, it, it's, it worries me a bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we One of the businesses that I'm involved in uh, is um, it deals with customer service. Let's go there. Uh-huh. Uh, and the the people live in a metropolitan city. They are incredibly highly educated. They're incredibly smart people. Mm. But but really, what they're doing for over the counter service. You know, the number of them that are taking um, college degrees, university degrees, we've got some excellent universities out there. But yeah, you kind of look at it and you kind of, you know, maybe maybe that kind of career is good as a temporary thing while you're doing a part-time study. But yeah, I, I kind of agree. I uh, did not go, well, when I finished school, I took a couple years off and then I went mm-hmm. to a music school to work on music engineering and then... Those were in the good old days where, you know, you would, you would, it wasn't who you, uh, 
new in the business. It was who you did Coke with back in the eighties. <laughs> and that was not something I was into. In fact, you know, I, 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 I was an artist, an artiste. I was passionate, Stu. Music meant something and realizing that it was a product kind of kicked music in the, you know, what's, um, and so I, I walked away and was very disheartened about that. And then I took a couple more years and then finally went back. I think I would have been 20, almost 21 before I went to start getting, uh, my first degree. Mm -hmm. So yeah, having a couple of years off, I had a lot of fun. I knew all the nightclubs in Vancouver very, very well. It was just a, it was a fun time. I got a lot of those, well, what did you call them? Raging hormones out of my system. Mm -hmm. And, and then was able to settle down and go there. My stepdaughter who finished school at the end of last year, doesn't really know exactly what she wants to be. Mm -hmm. And rather than push her into, here you go, you've got to go and take school. You've got to go and do that. We're giving her some time to figure it out. You know, she's 18 years old. She's, she's been through some stuff. Sure. And we want to make sure that she's making the right choices for her. Because I tell you, going into a program and making the very sizable investment out here mm. and then realizing that, oof, come on, I don't like this. You've not only wasted the, the financial resources, you've also wasted your time. And the, the negativity of it, oh my God, I failed, will either keep you in that program doing something you hate because you can't fail, or you'll come out of it with a negative feeling about school in general. So I, I'm kind of with you on that one. I was the same as your stepdaughter. So for me, when I went out and worked in, in Paris and learned the business and learned, you know, at the counter, uh, okay, it was a bureau de charge, you know, I was serving people, but not in the traditional sense. I had university graduates then coming to me um, and I was training them and I was teaching them how to make money. I was teaching them how to deal with customers, deal with people. And this was what they would come out and do, you know, for a couple of weeks and then go back and study. And by the time they were coming out looking for jobs, they were working for me. And they had huge debt. I didn't have any debt. I had pretty much a huge hangover. <laughs> but you know i was having the time of my life before i decided to go back to university and then when i did go back i didn't even finish mm -hmm. and i think it just makes no sense at all this sort of conveyor belt idea that's been built up that you, you know kids come out of um you know high school uh into college and then out of college into you know big high-powered jobs the, the numbers just don't stack up that's not how the world works mm -hmm. Do you guys have a lot of trade schools in Europe? No. I mean, in the UK, uh, there are some, and people were, were very much encouraged to, to sort of pursue those things. But it was done in a very condescending way. Was, oh, yes. Well, yes, you're, you're, you're from that part of town, aren't you? Well, have you considered being a construction worker? There's, you know, there's a college over there that will teach you to... Um, bang bricks or whatever it is one does mm -hmm. um it was very condescending and very sort of you know you're you're probably quite stupid um so go and do that i think it's improved now i think it's better now um particularly as i say if you go to london there are, <laughs> there are plumbers driving around in ferraris um i mean the i i i noticed it the other day when i went for a meal here at the bottom of of my hill my, my little mountain there's a shop that everybody calls Makita, which is a famous brand of, of power tools. Mm -hmm. um, and he's got a big Makita sign up. But this, it's, uh, it used to be a hardware store. It's now a sort of hardware store stroke builder's merchant. Mm. Um, and it's an Aladdin's cave. You can go in and, you know, do you have a screw that goes around corners? Ah, yes, you'll need this. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you got all that sort of stuff. Um, and I, I was sitting at the new restaurant that's open near us, and I, I watched this Ferrari park. And I, I have to say, I, I was, oh, yeah, okay, here comes another Russian. Because we have a lot of Russians here with sort of, you know, new money. And, and then this guy got out of the car and I looked at him and I thought, I recognize you. 
good lord it's the fellow from the hardware store <laughs> and he just gave me a wave and a hi and sat down and i thought yeah you see mm, mm. never ever make uh, assumptions about people and you know i i honestly think that this one is one that that people you know like your stepdaughter are being being fooled into thinking that this is the you know if you don't go this way well you're taking a bit of a risk I don't think it's a risk at all. <laughs> There's almost a cultural, you know, Twitter. If if you look at Twitter, there is a cultural renaissance that you need to, at least on my part of Twitter, um, go into coding. You've got to learn coding. And you know what? You hire people to do all the things that you don't want to do. Mm. Your four-hour work week is a prime example of that. Mm. Uh, let's go hire somebody to do all the grunt work. I was thinking about this because my truck has spent the night in another man's arms. It, it's got a, an error. The uh, gas gauge doesn't work on it. It's an older truck, but mm -hmm. uh, it was one of those things, not knowing how much gas you have is more stress than you ever want in your life. And it's a stupid fix because you've got to get it up, drain the gas tank, take the entire gas tank off and replace the whole fuel pump. It's one of those that when I need to do it, they said, I can give you a quote. I said, no, don't just give me the bill at the end of it. It needs to be done. But it was about two and a half weeks, three weeks of driving around like this because the mechanics out here are so busy and so in demand that you just can't get into it. Mm -hmm. It is that difficult. If, if I had a real problem, I'd be kind of hooped. So yeah, I'm looking at this and going, you know, nobody's talking about going and being a mechanic at the moment, but the mechanics are, are starting at very, very good wages compared to what they might've been four or five years ago. You know, the, the salaries are up there because hey, supply and demand. If you are doing a skill that is in demand, you you can command a higher salary but again people don't think about that they've got to go to college they've got to get a degree in something smart coding computers programming you know something like that and yes you can make money in that but there's a lot of people that i think can do things that work really well yeah and that then comes down into once you have a decent job what do you do with it? Do you save? You know, I'm looking at this, your, your comments on that kind of make me smile a little bit. Uh, my in-laws, um, are in that age group. They're in their seventies. They were conservative. I think it's, is that the nice way to put it, Stu? Sure. I think that's perfectly correct. Uh, and you know, they're, they're doing okay for themselves. They sold a house down on the coast and they moved up here and they are still been conservative. It's, I'm kind of looking at it a bit like you. Why go out and enjoy it? Just, you know, if you if you do have the resources, and you're not worried about ending up dead, you know, your your kids up here. Well, both of the kids have nice houses and are married, and mm -hmm. you know, it's it's not like you need to set up your child with anything. Enjoy your life. Go on the trips enjoy all of the things that you want to do before the health starts kicking you in the parts that you just can't enjoy it anymore yeah no absolutely it's uh, you know the the education thing is as, as you point out you can go off and go do you know what? i i love working with trucks i love working with cars i'm going to become a mechanics apprentice and you will get a fantastic detailed hands-on education in that trade and skill and you'll get paid while you're doing it mm -hmm. or you can go and learn how to code which is you know it's a great and noble thing if you want to code and for the privilege you will pay through the nose to be taught how to code to the extent that you will a end up with debt and b probably have to bust tables to have enough money to be able to go for a beer on a Friday night. Meanwhile, your friend, the mechanic will be saying, hey, listen, let, let me buy you a beer. From my deck chair in the Bahamas. 
<laughs> exactly. He's going to be taking, you know, big long vacations. You're going to be in a tent somewhere. It's, you know, it, it's a marketing thing. This whole go to college and, you know, become a, become a, a grown up. It's just marketing. They're bundling together all this life experience and learning and making you pay for it. <laughs> no, that's not how the world works. The world works that you go out and give your time and get paid for it. Hmm. And <laughs> I just think the whole thing's a scam. Likewise, as you said, you know, my my, uh, my father's story is very instructive to me. So my father uh, came from working class roots in Scotland, Irish family. Um, one of nine children, 10 children, uh, very old school Catholic. Um, anybody got a job, they had to put their money in the table. Um, and it was, you know, shared amongst the family. And my dad, horror of horrors, the eldest boy went off and joined the air force, <laughs> which was considered, you know, sort of abandoning the family. Um, and you know, he wanted to see the world. He was a smart guy. He could have gone to university, but didn't. He joined the air force <laughs> and, uh, his, his next brother, funnily enough, joined the, joined the Navy. But off he went to go and see the world. Worked really, really hard. So this isn't, you know, hello, I'm going to be an officer. This is you join at the bottom and you you work your way up. So uh, it's, it's proper working class progression through a profession, if you like. And he was in telecommunications, so he was a signaller. If you're in the army, they were called signals. Uh, they weren't called that in the Air Force. In the Air Force, they were called Trade Group 4. Anyway, um, so he got to travel the world. He got, he met my mum, who was also in the Air Force. We'd done the same thing. And my dad was in the Air Force for 38 years. Wow. So he joined at the age of 17, and he left at the age of 55 with uh, a handsome pension. In the 1960s, my mum and dad were stationed in Cyprus, uh, before the invasion, um, we'll cover that an another time. <laughs> um, and they decided that they would retire here and they built relationships to the extent that they had friends here who secured them the land in the 1980s. Um, and then they built the house that they eventually retired to in the nineties. And at my dad's retirement speech, he said, well, that's it. I'm off to my little house in the mountains now, which is absolutely lovely. My lovely wife, if I get five years of retirement, it'll all be worth it. Four and a half years later, he was dead. Oh. Now, that happens to many, many people. It's not a unique story. But he spent his life building up this retirement dream that was taken away from him because life's like that. Hmm. He made huge sacrifices all through his life, holidays that he didn't take, places he didn't go, things he didn't buy, because he was determined that he would have this period at the end of his working life where he could enjoy the fruits of his labor. And that's a bit of a gamble. <laughs> that's something you have to be very careful about. And one can argue, and this is what the Die With Zero thing argues, is that you're probably more likely to enjoy some of your uh, dreams and some of your money at an earlier age if you would only plan how to do it. Did your dad passing away at a fairly early age influence how you have lived your life so far? Or is this more of a recent relevation for you? Um, it's difficult. I mean, the first thing I would say is I don't know where it comes from. Like, I, I can't imagine it was from my dad or from my mum. Because my mum was probably even more conservative than my dad. But I was a ferocious hedonist. <laughs> I absolutely, from the moment I could misbehave, did. So um, I, apparently I was a lovely boy until I went to, I went to a private school in the UK partly funded by, by the Royal Air Force. And I was a boarder, so I lived at school. Uh, so you had sort of built-in peer groups of all the guys that were in your dorm, all the guys that you, you shared with. And, you know, we learned to smoke cigarettes together, which clearly was illegal. Uh, we learned how to get hold of alcohol. That was illegal. Um, in order to get the cigarettes and the alcohol, we learned how to abseil out of windows um, because, you know, <laughs> private schools are to a certain extent prisons. 
And, you know, I, I had a, a riotous time and I was all for live for today, live for today, live for today. And that's why I went to Paris and I found the job. And, and I, I, oh, this, is, this is going somewhere, honestly. Um, and all throughout the, the 90s, I lived, I lived pretty hard. So I drank way too much. Um, I wasn't really into drugs. I tried, I tried um, drugs and stuff, and it just wasn't really my thing. I'd, I'd rather go and get drunk. So, so um, I, I had a great time living in all sorts of fantastic cities. Um, I had very few responsibilities outside of work. Um, and you know, just, just lived the dream. And I remember Paris in, I'm going to say, 89, 90 maybe. I found myself at a loose end one day and went to watch Good Morning Vietnam, which is a movie that um, I'm sure you recognize. Maybe some of the younger <laughs> listeners might not. Look it up. You'll love it. Good Morning Vietnam. That's the one. Yeah. Robin Williams. Uh, based on the true story of yeah Adrian Cronauer. Um, a DJ in Vietnam for the for the US troops there. Um, it's a great movie. But the next movie that uh, Robin Williams did, I went to see uh, on my own one afternoon in um, a cinema at the, uh, where was it? Châtelet, which is the center of Paris. I went to see a film called Dead Poet Society, uh, which I have just today purchased. <laughs> and I'm going to make my wife watch it later. Because Dead Poet Society is, again, starring the late, great uh, Robin Williams, who's just a, 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 an incredible human on so many levels. And it's a movie about, or one of the central themes of the movie is Carpe Diem, Seize the Day. Um, and I, if you haven't seen it, again, you younger folk, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's brilliant. Some of us older folk might not have seen this one either, Stu. Uh, look, it's quite formulaic, um, as, as the movies of that time were. You know, I think of the things like The Breakfast Club and stuff. But it had a huge influence on me because it kind of, uh, it legitimized being a rebel, um, of, of pushing against norms, which is what I was doing at the time. And uh, it, I, it's a great, 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 great movie and it's hugely uplifting as well that's one thing i would say about it um you you walk out of there with a with a determination to go and make your mark on the world Ooh. and i've always lived like that but then uh, as i got not as necessarily i got older but as i got more senior in a company i i sort of got sucked into the same thing as everyone else which was you know i was i constantly craved progression so salary and stuff was only important to me in that it was more than last year mm -hmm. or it was more than that person there. And I, I, you know, I got very into that. That was how I was measuring my success. And um, because I'm quite driven, uh, that, that meant, you know, I would get up earlier and stay up later, all of that sort of nonsense of the corporate world. And then when, when we sold and I had, uh, enough money to sort of go, okay, well kind of don't need to do much now. Um, that's where I got to the point where I got a bit lost. <laughs> didn't work out exactly what I was supposed to be doing. Mm. Um, and that's kind of where I've been for, I don't know, five, six years. And to a certain extent now, I'm, I'm rediscovering that again of going, um, you know, I, I say it to other people all the time. You know, nobody has written on their tombstone, I wish I'd gone to work more. Or I wish I'd done more cleaning. Um, you know, if you want to see Machu Picchu, Go, go do it. Find a way of making that happen rather than having it as some sort of um, you know, on hold dream. I'll do that when I, mm -hmm. because I think that's just a recipe for disappointment. Because you get to the stage, you go, right, I've got enough money to go to Machu Picchu, but I'd really rather poke my own eyes out than go trekking in the Andes. So, well, I feel that way about getting on a plane, but that's uh, just because you told me what it was like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But see, I'm, I'm sort of rediscovering that of going, okay, right now, in relative terms, I'm healthy. Okay, I've got a bit of a problem with a leg ulcer, but we won't go there. Um, and I, you know, I'm enjoying playing golf. And sure, after, after golf, people want to have a beer. Do you know what? I'm going to have a beer. As you said earlier, the, it's a warm evening. The weather's nice. Do you know what? I want to sit out on my terrace. I want to look at my view. I want to sit with my wife and raise a glass of wine. 
talk to my dogs. You know, why the hell not? Now, if it becomes four bottles of wine a night, then that's probably a problem. But just taking pleasure and squeezing the joy out of every moment, that's what I should be focused on doing, mm-hmm. I think, I believe. And I'm going to start by getting the wife to watch Dead Poets Society tonight, <laughs> I hope. I'm not even sure she's seen it, actually. Okay. And then tomorrow you'll be, if she doesn't enjoy it, uh, having a day of heck as she says, what did you make me sit through, Stu? <laughs> well, you, you're with me on this one, Just I, I appreciate you might not have seen it, but it's Robin Williams um, as, as a teacher. Can you see this movie going wrong? You know, I'm not a huge Robin Williams fan. I did not make it through uh, Good Morning Vietnam. I think, you know, there were, there were so many movies he did that I just, I just couldn't. So, uh, you know, I'm, I may not be the right judge of that one. I appreciated him for what he was, uh-huh. uh, but he was always Mork from Ork from, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mork and Mindy. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, no, I, I mean, everybody has their own um, taste and, you know, hopefully it works out well with Mrs. L. I might have to see if I can stream it just so that I could say I've done it because now it's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? You know, you, <laughs> you kind of got to, got to go there. Ah, oh, Stu. Yeah. Well, as I say, it's formulaic. Um, it's one of those that wise old people like us will sit there and in the first 10 minutes and go, well, I know where this is going, hmm. but it goes there. <laughs> it does it well. You, you follow the journey. Yeah. I'd say it's got a very young Ethan Hawke in it, I think. Hmm. Uh, should be good for getting Mrs. D to watch it then. Well, there you go. You see, secret weapon. All right. So, is there? I'm I'm kind of curious because we've sort of been talking about this. Is there anything that you feel like you've been putting off at this point that is really on your want to do list? Have you have you kind of you know sidelined any of your desires and kind of looking at this and going, you know, I've always wanted to do this, but I haven't. Uh, I'm just kind of curious because I'm trying to put a, a context around this this very deep topic that we've been going down. <laughs> well, th- there's there's things that remain on my list to be done. So um, people might not know, but I started walking the Camino de Santiago, uh, the Camino Frances, which is about 500 miles from uh, basically the south of France. You go across the Pyrenees and you cross the top of Spain until you get to Santiago de Compostela, which is on the uh, Atlantic coast. And it's an old pilgrimage route. And I was walking that in stages uh, with a couple of friends. And we've got one stage left, which then got curtailed by by COVID. Mm -hmm. So I want to finish that. And I would like to do another one of those. So there are several routes that you can take. And I'd quite like to do, well, there's two more that appear. Okay, there's lots (laughs) of these walks that I'd quite like to do. One of them is you start in... Switzerland. Um, you cross the Alps, which is a bit of a bit of a climb, mm. um, and you uh, you walk down through the length of Italy to Rome. Wow! Uh, to St. Peter's Basilica, uh, which is called the Via Francigiana. Francigiana. Um, again, a pilgrimage. I'm not religious in any way, um, but these these old pilgrim routes are often where roads have then followed. And because the pilgrims pilgrimages are so long, you have very sort of well-spaced villages that have accommodation. And so you can walk, uh, I will walk, say, 25, 30 kilometers in a day, and then uh, find somewhere to stay, either in a hostel, not often for me. <laughs> I have the means to stay in a hotel. Thank you very much. Uh, I'd like my own bathroom. Um, and then... And then uh, Although often I'm sharing sharing a room with with one of my walking buddies, so I'd like to do a couple more of those, and I'd I'd love to do one with Mrs. L, and I think I've got no chance at all of persuading her to do that. So that's that's going to be one where she, but no, um, she is I think planning on flying to Santiago, uh, so that she can greet me when I arrive and and join in the sort of celebrations because it will. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's an incredibly powerful feeling um, doing one of these walks. And I'm greatly looking forward to that. Places to travel to. I think you and I are similar. There's 
There's not many that I don't have a burning desire to go anywhere. I must go here. I must, you know, see the top of Everest. Right? No, I'm not that bothered to be honest. <laughs> but I do want to. Um, uh, uh, Mrs. L and I want to go back to where we had our honeymoon. Um, so we honeymooned in the Maldives. Um, and we should go back there for a couple of reasons, sort of quite soon. One, global warming means the Maldives are sinking. Um, two, uh, there's not an enormous amount to do because they are very small little islands. So they're tiny islands. The one that we were on, I think, had a capacity of about 70 people. So it's not as though you've got, you know, shopping malls to go to. You, you literally have your room, which in our case was on stilts uh, out in the water, and you have the restaurant and the bar, and that was kind of it. So I'm not sure I'd enjoy that quite so much at 70 as I might next year, for example. So, Oh, that water, it'll uh, set off that arthritis in your, in your <laughs> hips there. Exactly. So uh, that's one. The other things, it's it's about um, it, simpler pleasures, but making time to have them, worrying less about whether I need to paint the fence or, um, oh, you know, we're going to get the washing done. No, I'll tell you what, why don't we stay out late? And why don't we take the dogs for a long walk? Why don't we go and walk on the beach? Um, why don't we go and see those friends? Stay out late? What's that, uh, 9.30, 10 o'clock at night? Well, I'm not sure we can make it that far, but we're prepared to give it a try. Okay. I'm, you know, we're getting old. Uh, that, those uh, exactly. simple pleasures of uh, seeing the AM come around are, are rare nowadays. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a long time since I saw dawn. Well, I see dawn often because I'm getting up before dawn, not yeah. because I'm stayed up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're, ah, we're, See, we're, we've already been affected by all the things that we missed in the middle of the night that, oh no, I think I saw about everything that I wanted to see in my teenage and twenties. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I did not know there was a seven o'clock in the morning as well at that point. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, I, I saw the sunrise over my mouth. I've done all those sort of, uh, those things and, and enjoyed every second of it. Would I want to do it now? If, if there was something that that Mrs. L wanted to do and I could, you know, help her achieve that, then great. But uh, I don't think there is much. I think for us, probably uh, the next adventure is, I think we're going to move country again. Oof. So um, I think we're going to go and live in Sicily. I'm quite keen to sort of explore, uh, not sort of fixed living anywhere. So uh, if we go across, let's say to Sicily, then we're not quite on the mainland, but we're pretty much on the mainland. So uh, if we then wanted to go and live in uh, Spain, we could get an RV and drive up. Or we could go and live in, I don't know, Hungary or Czech Republic, or we could do a little bit of sort of, you know, RV to Airbnb to RV to Airbnb, that, that type of thing. I'm just imagining you and Mrs. L living the van life. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that it would be living the van life, but it would be let's spend a week driving to the next place, yes. Hungary. And they has lived there for a few months. Um, and I think, you know, Margaret would probably rather fly, but we do have dogs. <laughs> so that the RV sort of just facilitates that, really. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm. These are these are dreams that need to be bought in mutually. <laughs> you can't impose one on the other. <laughs> it's it's funny because I've been well. My wife wants this big fancy RV. Her her brother has one. Mm -hmm. uh, they go they go camping quite regularly in the summer, and and this thing is well, it's got heated vibrating uh, couch seats mm -hmm. it's got a big screen tv I mean, you know it's it's a house away from a house sure and i've kind of been looking at this and you know this is again when it comes to uh, aligning what we want to do i've got these fantasies and, and youtube is bad i don't watch a lot of it but i've discovered there's this thing of like off-grid living uh -huh. where people go out to the middle of a forest and 
build a little outhouse and build a little cabin that is it's wood fired without electricity and it's a lot of work i kind of look at this and i go oh i'd love to do that get away you know coming out to the rural area where you know we we don't have a lot of people around us but there are still people we were sitting out last night and a neighbor was mowing his lawn sure and i look at that and go you know what if we got a place in the mountains away from everybody the only thing that would annoy us is the bears Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I have been sort of looking, but recreational property out here is absolutely stupidly priced. Sure. And then the practicality of, of building and yeah, it's just, it's kind of a pipe dream, but the idea of doing civilized camping versus no, I just want to get away from everybody is, I don't know, maybe it's just where my mindset is at the moment i just i've had it with people i'm going <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go wild man you know the beer will grow and yeah yeah but i think the smart thing is to is to do a sort of temporary version of any of those things isn't it and say you know you know when when margaret occasionally has spoken to me about sort of you know rvs and stuff i've said okay well the thing to think about an rv is imagine that you've got a hangover um and your tummy's feeling a little bit upset and we're both sharing a tiny little toilet and we've got to drive 110 miles. That's <laughs> that's the stuff of, of RV living that you need to get your head around. The it, parking somewhere idyllic with amazing views is great, <laughs> but it's not all that. And likewise, you know, staying up there in the cabin with the bears, you'd kind of want to do that for a couple of weeks <laughs> as a test before you committed to, as you say, 10 million Canadian dollars to, to buy a shack somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just crazy, but, uh, yeah, certainly something that I'm looking at, you know, weirdly, um, you know, some of the things that I had interest in before travel and stuff like that, you know, maybe the last couple of years, I've got a lot more comfortable with my, my own company, if you know what I mean. I'm, my, my experiences don't necessarily have to involve a lot of other people. Having said that, I did sign up at, well, we've got, we've got a vineyard. I call it within staggering distance. It's, it's walking distance, Perfect. but we have a vineyard and two cideries within staggering distance, which means that you can go there, have a bottle of wine and, and still manage to make it home without falling over too badly. Um, and so we went there the other day, had some wonderful wine and signed up to become members because, well, that gives you discounts and events and tasting and all the rest of that. So yeah, absolutely. it's not that I don't, dislike people it's just that you know there's kind of that balance and having somewhere to go out into the country would be absolutely lovely well there you go you see we we're not that different we're not that far apart but you know i think it's important say yes to, to stuff go and try stuff mm -hmm. don't don't get stuck in a rut yeah i i think one of the biggest regrets you'd ever have is dying without all of your dreams done. If, if you still have things that you're passionate about and you haven't done them, you need to get on them quickly. You know, if you can, maybe you do a version of it because that's all you can afford at the moment. But yeah, just, just live for every moment. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Stu, what have you got as a takeaway from this one? Uh, well, I've got lots of them. Um, I'll tell you what I'll, I'll do. I'll, I'll say carpe diem. Seize a day. And read more Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman. Oh, he's not yeah, the guy going. from Breaking Bad, is he? <laughs> no, he's not. But if you watch Dead Poets Society, it will all make sense. All right. I got homework, Stu. <laughs> what about you? My takeaway from this one, why put off until tomorrow something that you can do today? Because if you do it today and you like it, then you could do it again tomorrow. Completely the hedonist approach, I think, to life. But hey, it served me well so far. Absolutely. Walt Whitman would be proud. Cool. I, I don't know who he is, but I'm glad he's proud. <laughs> All right. Stu, where can people find you and Walt Whitman on the internet? <laughs> you can find me uh, on Twitter at Stu Lennon, or you can find me at my website, stuartlennon.com. Or if you're you know, in for a little bit of stationery, you can find me at neurosnotes.co.uk. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? 
Easiest place to find me that has been updated in a little while, justintwyford.com. It has links to all my stuff, my Twitter, my Instagram, where I post pictures of me sitting outside with a glass of wine, looking at the dog and looking at all of the orchards in the valley that I'm in. It's, it's kind of pretty up here. That's why I'm into this kick for going even more remote. Uh, you can find information about Stuart myself at stationaryadjacent.com. And please send us an email if you got any comments, thoughts, uh, if you liked Dead Poet Society, or you want to tell me who Walt Whitman is, uh, stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. Uh, can you take a moment, do us a favor, please like and review us on your podcast catcher choice. And we really, really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues that you think might get something from the podcast that we do. Our next topic is going to be how to handle criticism. Mm. Should be fun. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us. <laughs>